0: Here's Stan Warren Luttrell.
1: Hello everyone, and welcome to Finding Health Podcast number 44 from Rogue Retreat. This is a special episode for me because Matt Strauss will be interviewing me about my experiences with vocational rehab and how I came to be here at Rogue Retreat. And remember, so you can listen to the podcast through a myriad of platforms, and we are hosted by Anchor.fm, and we can also be heard on Apple Podcasts, Google Stitcher, and most of the major platforms. And you can listen using your
0: Alexa-enabled devices. And without any further ado, let's continue on with the program. All right. Well, Stan, thank you for um, for being with us on our own show today as our guest also (coughs) host (laughs) um, for finding hope and um, I just want to thank you for um, being willing to talk a little bit more about your story because it's been a little bit since we've done that. Um, So one of the things that um, a lot of folks that are listening um, might not know about your background is that you have used a lot of um, employment agencies of, of sorts, to um, help you be able to kind of navigate into the workforce. Um, and so um, we kind of, we talked yesterday about wanting to do a little story to talk about a little bit about your experience and what that's been like. And can you kind of tell us a little bit about um, the different types of work programs that you've worked through um, throughout your life?
1: Oh my goodness, we <laughs> have a story for you because it's been interesting. And of course, I grew up in California and lived much of my life there until i came to oregon uh, about 2000 because january the i mean december the 30th that's near enough of 1999 if we want to be
0: precise was it was there a big party like it was 1999
1: not at that time because there were a lot (laughs) of things going on that were i just lost my mom right oh my goodness and so I decided to leave uh, California and sell the residence that I lived in. And that's a story in and of itself. Mm-hmm. It'd be more like a soap opera, a soap opera <laughs> as the stomach turns or nasty <laughs> yeah. days of our lives, something like right. that. Right. <laughs> but that's not what we're here to talk about. Although it probably give us bigger ratings than uh, rush limbaugh or, or or michael savage or any of those put together you
0: know i, I certainly hope so <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um and so you were i'm um, coming up from the bay area
1: yeah and so okay. before that i worked in radio i worked for radio station uh but but that well in terms of the programs that i used I used the Volk Rehab, Ag- Rehab Agency in California, and they had a different kind of system, and they had different kind of programs, but I, uh, the first program that I dealt with was a program to that was the Intercept Operator Program, and you're going to work for the, uh, Pacific Telephone, which is uh, 90% owned by at t Mm. But the AT&T was going to buy out the remaining stuff they didn't own, and also AT&T was about to be broken up, so Mm. that class was a waste of time, because I knew, even though I was interviewed, I, I was pretty certain things weren't going to come of that.
0: Okay. Then
1: I moved to Oregon, and the Commission for the Blind has a lot better structure. Mm-hmm. They have uh, people that are called uh, job developers that work with you along with uh, the the uh, person that's uh, the rehab individual. And one of those people decided, thought, oh, Stan would be good to do mobile DJ business.
0: Oh. Yeah,
1: sort of. You have to worry about trying to find a driver. Then you have to worry about... They want to be guaranteed of employment, blah, 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 blah. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And the person that, and they have all these different consultants that work with them. And one person had the ingenious idea that I should use mini discs. That was yesterday's news. That wasn't going to work, which I told them it would be better to be music on the computer. Yeah. Because then you could use audio programs like station playlists and stuff. Mm -hmm. Then I knew that wasn't going to work, and finally, yeah, they realized that's not going to work because you can't find people to do
0: yeah. this. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's a it takes a and lot. Stan's not going of to drive. To I
1: don't think it'd be a good idea for Stan to drive right now.
0: You know, we keep talking about it, and they keep calling about those vehicle warranties for you. So I'm figuring one yeah, of these things we'll have to I try know. it.
1: <laughs> so fat, you know, fast forward the most recent person that we had helping this is, which is the reason one of the reason why i'm where i am was a gentleman by the name lynn peterson mm-hmm. now what was interesting is what happened on the way to rogue retreat now yeah. here's what we talked about yesterday mm-hmm. we were going to go over to one of, oh, I'm, I don't care, I'll name them. We were going to go over to Charter uh, Cable, which is one of the big cable companies in this part of the West. Mm-hmm. And they, we were going to talk to about doing customer service. Now, here was the interesting facet of that. Picture this, if you will. Mm-hmm. Lynn Peters and I walked in there and we were talking to the people at Those are the days when you can actually walk in and not be socially distanced. That
0: was before COVID. <laughs> yeah,
1: it was before, pre COVID. And we talked to the individual and almost then they had this great big meeting in a room where they all went back. Just picture, clip it, clock, clip mm-hmm. back. Then. I think I could tell and I think Lynn could tell that there was a big powwow. How do we deal with this? A blind person actually tried to apply for work here. And keep in mind, Charter has a good reputation in parts of the nation for doing exactly this. Mm -hmm. Having actual blind people work for them. Imagine that concept. Right. (laughs) And then... The one gentleman walks out, and you know, s- smart Alex, Dan. I said, "Oh, I see who drew the short straw."
0: <laughs> just only and slightly antagonistic. Yes, and I know he must have had a look on his face. <laughs> you should have seen it. Yes, I should have seen. It. Oh, I wish I
1: have. Yeah. But anyway, I, and I knew this was just going to go nowhere because people are not used to Especially in many communities, that a blind person actually is working, we have seventy percent unemployment rate.
0: Yeah, that's a. I remember you talking about that a couple um a couple weeks ago when you were talking about the statistics like about that uh, the unemployment rate. But then you also said the uh, startling statistic about the homeless rate for those that are um, and blind as well.
1: we in the rules. I said, uh, <laughs> I think it's something like a quarter of the blind population is homeless or something like
0: that. Yeah, that's that's insane to think about. That is. Uh, um, that's a lot. Yeah, that's- and
1: one reason, that, well, there are several reasons for really. that. One of the big reasons, especially in major population centers, uh, y- y- you know, whatever, but you know, a lot of people come up here from California. Uh, I think Southern California more so than Northern, but, you know, end up here. But the rents are so high. Mm hmm that a lot of people can't maintain uh, paying what you would have to pay for rent.
0: Yeah, because I imagine the majority of people that are blind are on fixed income with disability. Fixed income, there's a
1: lot of times there's uh, either in in the states, there's uh, social security or social security disability and what they call supplemental security
0: Mm -hmm.
1: uh, income. Okay. and that is you know you really have to uh, to you know if you're lucky you you know then you have how much you can make and how much all the stuff you have to go through with just doing that is you know and i i want things to equal out because a lot of times when we talk about it yeah the negatives but the positives is are that there are a lot of uh, things that are accessible in terms of technology mm-hmm. that we didn't have earlier.
0: Yeah.
1: In early times. So uh, with the advent of things like the computer with what we call stream- screen readers and mm-hmm. things of this sort. Uh, or yeah, like the,
0: the, yeah. The adaptive, the adaptive better technology
1: technology iPhone and, and Android that has made things a lot a lot better in terms of just living living mm-hmm. life i mean i've seen so much transition in the last 35 40 years
0: mm-hmm.
1: but a lot of people in the defense of the employers, a lot of people don't know what is out
0: there yeah, and I think, you know, and correct me if I'm wrong, but in your observations um, throughout um, your journey in life, have you found that people are unrealistically scared um, yes, of fact. people that have disabilities?
1: Oh, God, yes. And in uh, uh, the American Foundation of the Blind did a little study. And I know I hate studies because it depa- all depends on how they're paid for and all sorts of stuff like that but half of the american population are afraid to be around blind people to the extent that they're more afraid of that than they are of having cancer or Hmm. having a heart attack or
0: having a stroke Mm -hmm. you know that's that's a startling statistic and i think um you know, I think it speaks to a fear that a lot of people have that we don't even realize in many cases. But like when I I was working on developing another organization for folks that have various disabilities, and one of the things that I asked them what they thought the biggest priority for um, that population was, and this happened to be for individuals with mental illness, and it was for people to talk to them like they're normal um, and not treat them like they're different. And um, and that's, and that hit me in kind of in the heart at, at that moment that you know, I was thinking it would have been housing or something, something bigger that we're seeing as a big social issue. No, it was more the interpersonal part of it. they just want to be treated right. Oh, yeah. And, and that, to me, um, speaks volumes to how wrong we have our priorities in, in society in many cases.
1: They tend A lot of times people tend to talk down to you. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget one time you love this story. I remember the first time I ever flew on an Airplane, you remember those little things you used to get up there, and you used to fly around the country and go places,
0: yeah. You go places, <laughs> right? Back when there were places to go, yes. we definitely in <laughs>
1: places to go. They, I had, I, I, I was around 17 or 18, somewhere around there. We we're going to see
0: my mom and I were
1: going to see my sister who's just having a baby, he just had a baby in oklahoma city mm-hmm. and went there and and those are the days imagine this when you actually were served an honest to goodness meal in your flight
0: wow last thing only thing i got was peanuts
1: <laughs> yeah, penis, yeah and that didn't even come with a snoopy character
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but what happened was the stewardess comes over god lover I can't ask my mom, she wasn't even talking to me. Can he feed himself?
0: Oh, no. <laughs> well, the
1: smart ass teenager in me wanted to say something really, really no untoward and nasty. But Stan, Stan stopped himself. That doesn't mean I didn't want to.
0: He feed me, baby. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's funny. You know, one thing, though, Stan that I have to point out is um, that is amazing about watching you and, and just getting to know you over this time that we've been working together is that I know that you've had these these barriers placed in front of you in life in many cases, but you still have an amazing sense of humor about everything. And I feel like that is one of your biggest character assets that also kind of helps open doors for you. Um, how did you keep that? I,
1: you know... It just is. I mean, I just know that, because I know many of a, a blind person that hates their lives. I'm thinking of a certain person I won't mention. Hates their life. Hates the fact that they're having to deal with blindness. They can't drive, they can't do this, they can't, they can't, they can't. And it's hard for me not to say something very, very, very nasty and not mm-hmm. nice. Because yeah. Because you have a choice in this life. You either have to live and enjoy it and you know make hay where you can, uh you you know
0: mm-hmm.
1: make make chicken pie out of chicken stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and you have that choice or you don't you just go away. Well, I choose to enjoy life and, and make the best out of this situation. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that served me
0: well. Um, Absolutely. I, th- I, I think it has. I think um, one of the things that um, kind of catches me off guard and when I first met you especially was your sense of humor. Um, but at the same time, that sense of humor was also what disarmed any kind of tension or fear that I might have about how to interact with you. And it just kind of, it led me to where you wanted me to be. And it was just absolutely amazing to be able to see that and then to learn about your background because like a lot of people don't realize that you have a life of experience with this, but you've been to college, you've done all these different things and you have all this life experience and you've maintained this amazing personality throughout it. And, um, and I just, it's awesome to see that.
1: Well, one of the things that I've realized that a lot of times, unless you, and there's nothing wrong with doing this, but most blind people that are employed, uh, at least in the state, end up working in a a federal or state agency. Mm -hmm. They're called the employers, at least when I was growing up, they were called the employers of last resort. Okay. And what happens is they end up working and, and there's nothing wrong with this job, but you're stuck doing, a, maybe you're doing customer serv- service work at maybe the social, social security mm-hmm. administration, and then you have to worry about, or, or maybe some consumer affairs agency or someplace like that mm-hmm. where, you, where you fit in. If you are lucky, I know a friend that worked for the local security, social security office, and was met with um, office politics. Mm
0: -hmm. She
1: wasn't liked by certain people at the agency, so that didn't work. She was let go, her probationary time was about to run out, and and that person was not. Well, what I did was I tried to find work for myself and create my own work. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I, the first job I ever had, uh, God love one of my friends that worked uh, worked with uh, that I knew in radio, got me a, a an internship. Mm-hmm. At, uh, mentioned this before, KNBR in San Francisco.
0: Yeah, that was your first radio gig, wasn't it?
1: That was my first gig. I did radio research. And I did some other things for NBC. And then I worked for their FM station. But the thing is, I had to, the bad thing was, back in the days when you used typewriters, mm-hmm. I think you've seen them. Maybe you've seen them in a museum. Because
0: yeah, I, I think I used to use one as a boat anchor at one point in time. <laughs> you
1: cannot use that. Yeah, can you, ch- taking those on a bark tray and going to San Francisco was not fun. <laughs> and anyway, you had to tab, and you didn't have any visual. You had to tell, actually, tab to where the, you thought the tab was and fill in the information you needed to do. It.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And One of my parents, you know, was there to help me out, but I didn't want to depend on another person to do something, but I couldn't do it myself. Mm
0: -hmm. Now,
1: I decided to make sure everything was put the way it was. Yeah. You take the calls and do everything like that. But after six months, I said, I can't do this. I cannot do this anymore. Because it wasn't doing me any good, and it was just making me depressed. Because that person was there because the person loved me and wanted me to succeed, but the, sometimes that's not enough. Yeah. Because I that person not even getting paid. That person mm-hmm. doing the goodness of their heart.
0: Yeah.
1: It's hard to with Yeah, no, you it's understandable. I mean? And so that was gone. That was that was finished. Then I worked for another radio person I've always been in, interested in weather, so I ended up doing weather with a very famous radio personnel in san francisco uh, a guy named dr. Don Rose very famous and then after that uh, came the uh, the intercept operator thing anyway after that then later on i another radio gig and that was interesting because uh, a couple a couple different radio stations but then the same one of the same people that was involved in that endeavor call, uh, got in touch with me on facebook mm-hmm. and asked me if i wanted to do another weather gig and it at a radio station a low power A.M. and F.M. station in Half Moon Bay. Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, <laughs> I'm interested. And I'll be blunt. I said, I'm not interested in being a no money I meet more.
0: Yeah, right. I get that one. Those are and the worst so, time to be. <laughs>
1: and so that was enough, and, you know, they, okay, they're paying these stipends, and that works. And then, of course, we can fast forward and talk about me and oh. I and Real quick though, with really you, happen. um,
0: with you being the voice of weather, uh, how does that process work? I mean, with you, um, living here, um, do you um do kind of like pre-record things and then send it to them? What I do, yeah,
1: I use um I use Dropbox, and then what I do is I I go do some weather checking and do some figuring, and I call it focus focus stuff.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: and then what I do is I record the forecast uh, send them a link like what we do with the finding Hope podcast yeah and then they insert it in their automation gotcha a friend of mine does a morning show that the friend that I talked to um, and he does a morning show and he and, and, and my weather forecasts are used as an insert. And if people want to listen, which we always encourage people to do, and if you like music from the '50s through the '90s, mm-hmm. you can that's go to khmbradio.com. I love and,
0: it. And hit the <laughs> listen,
1: link, and bam,
0: you and we listen. and we'll get to hear Stan's voice. It's, that, that's right. And All right. right. Uh, I'm Between
1: six and nine a.m. in the morning. Okay. And three to six p.m. in the afternoon there. That is, shameless plug.
0: that is amazing. Um, no, thank you for sharing that. Um, that's, I, I, I often w- I've often wondered what, where it was and figured this was the perfect opportunity to get you, let you, get you to sound that out for everybody. Um, that's amazing. So, um, and so just so people are aware, um, Stan is definitely, um, available for hire as a voice talent, if you need him for something, um, oh, God, I'm
1: definitely available for hire, and,
0: <laughs> you know, absolutely. And then, um, so Stan, I, love hearing about your experience and everything. And you had mentioned Len Peterson, who also um, is the individual that introduced you to us over here for, at Rogue Retreat. Um, and he had a personal relationship with Chad that kind of got that door open um, to get that meeting going. But, um, you know, a lot of people don't realize that you've been here now for over a year. Um, July the,
1: 11th.
0: Yeah, and so um, can you talk a little bit about how um, how that process happened and, um, and the fact that we've now gotten you away from being a subsidized employee.
1: Yeah, uh, July 11th, we started out and we, um, there was a, there was an agency called, oh, what was that? It had, I forgot the name of it now.
0: Which one? Um, no, not see. the
1: commission, but the agency that that was paying my paycheck. Oh, Galt. Galt. Yep. And Galt, and, and that's what I've been doing here. A lot of these uh, agencies like Galt, and then before that, there were the Easter Seals and Experience Works. They were both uh, different agencies that would subsidize, uh, pay me to be at, of course, I had the genealogy library before this. Uh-huh. And then but the Galt uh, Foundation paid for my work here yeah and my goal was to get out of being uh having subsidized payment mm-hmm.
0: and and for for folks that might be listening that um is where an employee might be working with an employment agency and their work there is being paid by another entity um and in this case it was galt um that was doing that but i'm um, just i just wanted to clarify that for both right, that might be listening it
1: is very important to, and these things are good but a lot of times these Entities are just, you know, they, they, they get you from point A to point B, but there's no, the ultimate goal would be for a person to be able to be paid mm-hmm. as a participating member of society and not as uh, a money just, just changing from one pocket to another and I didn't know how this was going to work. Mm-hmm. I was concerned about how it was going to work, but but once I mo- walked into Rogue Retreat, I said, damn learn it, this had better work because I love it here.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can imagine it can get frustrating to have trial after trial and to not work out or to find that they just don't have the bandwidth or the ability to do those well, they positions. We don't have
1: still. it a lot of times, and I think one of my biggest problems with a lot of these Agencies are that if you if you're working with an agency like um, Experience Works or or the easy Steels, which does what they used to do, if you have a population a hard to employ population like the blind, mm-hmm. it's hard to go. And go from being there to being in a, in a, a regular place because one, a lot of employers, prospective ones, don't know what a person can do and what technology. C- it can be hard to make them, to make us do what we do. Mm-hmm. So we're constantly, always having to try to prove ourselves. And sometimes mm-hmm. there's only so much you can do. Yeah, it's, it's, you, you get tired of doing this, uh, and, and that's the reason I wanted to be able to do what we did. And I ended up—they didn't plan it this way, but I ended up being a uh, becoming an independent subcontractor because mm. I didn't want to have to. I love being there, but I I, I like to have more freedom. Mm-hmm. me to
0: do the job
1: and do what I think is best in creating that
0: job. Yeah, absolutely. And being the independent contractor it also gives you some flexibility on your own to be able to have multiple job sites and do multiple jobs like you're now starting to do, um, like with doing the Finding Hope podcast with us and then also your weather gig down um, down in California. Um, it's It makes sense. The only downside is that you have to account for your taxes.
1: <laughs> well, you know what? At least I have that to to do. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I I just am just so jazzed about being there, and um, you know, working with the people I get to see on a daily basis because that gives me energy. Mm-hmm. It, it Absolutely, me energy to watch the people that and people that are you feel like you're making a difference in their lives because when we've got there and we're telling the the stories that people have um, that is you know important Mm -hmm. and I guess on this uh, maybe we should pre-mention that our guest next week will be Jane Hagel yes the current person that's involved in in the Oregon Commission for the Blind doing uh, what she does, and of course, she was the the catalyst that introduced me to Len Peterson, mm-hmm. and I was yeah, like, it, this it, way. That has been an interesting experience.
0: Absolutely. Well, Len is Len was Len was an interesting person, and I actually I really appreciated getting to know him. But I'm very grateful for his um connection with Chad that brought you here. Um, because that was what um, kind of prompted the meeting and then um, as we were sitting there talking and I was even wrestling with okay what are we going to (laughs) do and the first thing that popped in my head when you mentioned radio was well I've wanted to do a podcast since I got here so this looks like it's what we're going to (laughs) do.
1: Well and I was very happy because one of the things that made it difficult other than when we did the podcast is Mm -hmm. when we would commit well when, we, when I would come in there, well, a lot of times what we ended up doing was, well, time wasting, I guess. I don't know what you'd call it, but it was, it was not time wasting because of the people in like Carol. Yeah. Know, so I got the people for the organization, so that was good, and seeing, mm-hmm. seeing the work that people did there. Yeah. And there was a lot of times when I
0: kind of felt that we
1: could have been productive in a different way. Let me put it
0: that way. Yeah, most definitely. Um, you know, and I think um, it was one of the benefits that we had when you first came in was we had to kind of feel out what we were going to do. Um, but I think the best thing that happened was that first day when we were able to put you with Harold. Um, oh. Because oh my I think, goodness. yeah, yes, I think that was, that was.
1: I think wasn't that the first or second day I was there? That was the very first day. Yeah, first day. And, and working with Harold, and you can't see Harold. You know, a lot of people get upset with me saying the word see, (laughs) but they can get over it. Yeah. (laughs) But one of the nice things about working with Harold is that you you can't work with him or know him without seeing a great deal of energy. They just kind of catapult you up to the sky.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Kind of gives you you a feeling of the heartbeat.
1: I loved that was that was a real long podcast, but I loved it. It was just like, you don't get any better than that.
0: Yeah, no, it was um, it was a fun one. I mean, it did, definitely did get a bit longer than we than we expected, but um, just when you we began capturing a story, you didn't want to stop him. No, um, it, it, it there would have been a lot of the yeah, there would have to be done. There definitely would have, but um, you know, I think that that was um one of the things that I remember the most is um when you first got here, it was that interaction with Harold and, um, and then doing the podcast with Harold that seemed to open up a passion for you. Um, cause mm-hmm. I know that um, it was right after that, that you very much felt like you were kind of embraced by the culture of Rogue Retreat and you have been. Um, yeah. and I love the fact that it's developed into, it was a process, but we were able to find a way to finally, um, be able to move away from the subsidy to just keep you on permanently with us. And, yeah. um, and I'm grateful that we've gotten the experience and I'm, grateful that we get to continue to also find ways to help improve our, our work. Um, I we um, The commission was able to help us even get some adaptive technology for you. And one of the things I learned with that is even with technology folks uh, like our friend Charlie, um, there is a lot of unknowns, even with some of the adaptive technology that, um, that individuals that are blind have to utilize and that can cause some barriers. But I'm grateful that we get to be in a place where we can work together to make it better. Um, but um, it was just kind of an eye-opener, um, seeing Charlie go through that when we were trying to get your um, L Braille set up. Um, oh, it was
1: fun. It was fun to watch.
0: It, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was just—it just, mind-boggling to me. I was like, wow, that's a, that is a te- our technology person that knows pretty much everything that is having to slow down to learn how this piece works. And I was like, that is just kind of an eye-opener for um, how much we don't know about how difficult it is to, um, to find people that understand um, how to help you in certain cases. Um, it's yeah. just, Did it was probably, well, I, I didn't look at the time when we started, but. Uh, we started about five after, so we're about 34 minutes in. <laughs> oh, okay. Well that we should probably, is there anything else you
1: want to ask? Cause I, I you really know, want this to keep a little bit, not too proud. Wacky.
0: Yeah. I, um, you know, one thing I was wondering, um, you've had a lot of experience with different employment programs and job training programs from California to Oregon now, And that's a lot of bureaucracy that you've encountered. Um, Is there anything that you would recommend for job employment or employment assistance programs going forward that they could do to better serve those that are disabled?
1: A lot of the things have to do with the way the feds and state interact, because everybody's worried that they're going to, uh, you know, not you put the right peg in the right hole and without doing anything. Cut down on the amount of bureaucracy Mm -hmm. and let people do what they do best.